It's good to be here with you today, and I'm excited, and I love how much God is working through you at Mercy Road Church. One thing I love about your church is all of this big vision that's coming for new church plants in Fishers, Anderson, uh, Michigan Road, downtown, four new church plants of Mercy Road, as well as Multiply Indiana and everything that's going on with Multiply Indiana in Plainfield, in Westfield, in Carmel, in Avon, all around the city of Indianapolis. With all of the big vision, you guys remain totally committed to your goal of who God created you to be. And that is to never lose sight of being missional, To never lose sight of living out your faith as followers of Jesus by having compassion on those around you. That's what this series is all about that you're going through is compassion for those who are in your sphere of influence. But this morning I want to talk to you today about a possible crossroads that you may face in the coming months and something that I've faced before in my past and this tension of do I stay where God has me planted now, or do I go somewhere else that he may be calling me? And this morning, as I want to talk to you about, as God leads some to go and God leads some to stay, let me encourage you to never celebrate one in a greater way than the other. Because both are vital to the kingdom impact that Mercy Road Church will have and is, that you will have as a believer for the kingdom. And both have great depth and significance and urgency. And this leading of God should be viewed and treated the same. So resist the urge to celebrate one over the other. And as you enter this beautiful season in the life of Mercy Road Church, God is moving in incredible ways to plant more churches around the city of Indianapolis. And I've heard it said before that cultivation always trumps recruiting. Let me commend you for that, for cultivating people of God and disciples of Jesus to be sent out into this city. You guys can do it. And that's a key central point to this message this morning is that you can do it and that God has sent you to go. And so don't fall into this trap of believing that every single one of you are supposed to leave your city or your geographical location for his glory and for his kingdom. Because if everyone leaves Carmel, Indiana, who will stay and reach your neighbors that aren't planning on going somewhere anytime soon? Here's what I want you to know, and here's what I believe, is that God wants every single one of us to be sent somewhere. To be sent somewhere. And this morning I want us to look to scripture to a few examples of people who were sent, but it wasn't necessarily being sent in a conventional approach and what we may immediately anticipate or think about scripture. So we're going to start in John chapter 4 and we're going to hit these examples quickly this morning because I don't want to take away too much time from Matt today. I want Matt to have a chance to speak and to share his heart as well. But in John chapter 4, we encounter this story of a woman at a well drawing water from a city called Samaria. And she's in this region of the country called Samaria. And as she is there, she's drawing water. And Jesus is there too. And they begin to have this dialogue and conversation with one another. And as they are speaking, Jesus reveals to her depths of her inner self and depths of her soul that she maybe had not encountered for quite some time. 
And as they're sitting there at this well, and Jesus is revealing all of these things about her life to her, Jesus eventually gets to the point in this conversation where he reveals himself to her as the source of what he terms living water. The source of living water that could change her life for the rest of eternity. And so the woman at the well, after receiving this message from Jesus, she gets so excited about it that she goes back to her hometown. She goes back to the region of Samaria. And she goes and she shares this source of living water. And she says, this man, this Jesus, he told me everything that I ever did. And in John 4 verse 39, it says this, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. This woman did not have a seminary degree. She was not studied in theology. There was no MDiv that followed her name, no title of pastor or church planter or elder or missionary or uh, any kind of title that we may give as a church. This woman was a woman whose life had been impacted and changed forever by the gospel. And she was excited enough about it to go back and to tell her hometown. And guess what happened? Many people believed. Isn't that beautiful that that's all it takes is an encounter with Jesus. And when I encounter Jesus, he will forever change my life and my heart. And when I share that with other people, God will use that in incredible ways. The second example I want us to look to today is, again, something totally unconventional. In the book of Titus, chapter 1, we come across this story where Paul, one of the greatest missionaries of all time and an apostle of Jesus Christ, Paul was working together with a guy named Titus. And it's, the chapter starts off by saying that I, Paul, left you, Titus, on the island of Crete to appoint elders in every town around the island of Crete. And so he's appointing elders around the island of Crete as he and Paul had started together and begun the work together. And it gets to this point down further on in the chapter where uh, as we see that Titus is left on this island to appoint elders or pastors in every town, you have to ask the question, where were these people coming from that he was appointing as elders or pastors around this island of Crete? And we read in Titus chapter 1, verse 12, the second part of the verse there, that one of their own prophets on the island of Crete said it like this. He said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. So this challenge, this mission that Titus had been given was a pretty intense mission because his character and talent pool were pretty shallow. He was to take people who had this reputation of being liars and gluttons, evil beasts, and to appoint them as elders of churches. There was an incredible amount of discipleship that needed to take place before Titus could appoint these people as elders of the churches. And something else that's important to note is that the island of Crete had a historical context and a historical uh, setting of piracy that was entrenched around the island. And so here are these people who were probably pirates earlier on in their life, and now Titus is saying, I need you to become pastors. <laughs> but where did they come from? They came from the island of of Crete, and they were appointed as pastors or elders around the island of Crete, and they were people who had a deep, entrenched story. And when people saw 
that their lives had been changed for eternity and their lives had been affected by the gospel. There was something about that story that drew them into the gospel message. But they didn't change their geography. They didn't change where they were. They stayed and yet they were sent in a powerful way. But maybe looking at New Testament examples, maybe this is something they're like, you know what, I just, I don't know. Maybe that was a fluke thing that happened with the woman at the well or the, the men around the island of Crete. Let's look back to Old Testament for just a minute. In Isaiah chapter 6, we see this surreal scene of worship and the author of the book of Isaiah and uh, the main character of the book of Isaiah, he's in this very prominent scene of worship as he stands before the throne of God. And there are angels that are present. There are doorways that are shaking in this scene of worship. There are hot coals being taken from an altar and placed on the lips of Isaiah. And it's this surreal scene of worship. And then we come to this famous passage of scripture in verse 8 when it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Isaiah speaking, Whom shall I send, God says? Who will go for us? And Isaiah responds and says, here am I, send me. And in verse 9, God responds back and says, yes, go and say to this people. And so he literally sends Isaiah to go and to say to this people, well, who is this people? Who are these people that God's sending Isaiah to? The interesting thing is Isaiah is a prophet from the tribe of Judah And God is sending him to the people of Judah. What does this mean for us today? What what am I talking about? Guys, Mercy Road is doing incredible things for the kingdom. And it's easy for us to slip into celebrating everybody who's leaving. And for those who God has called to stay, to begin to feel like, man, well, who are we? Who am I in this process? Let, let me just say this morning, you are celebrated. And it is an incredible thing if God leads you to stay. And it's an incredible thing if God leads you to go. The missionaries and church planters in biblical times, they were sent to a city to teach the people of that city uh, to live out the gospel in their hometowns. Some of the people they reached went to a new geographical location. Most of the people that were reached with the message of the gospel stayed. They didn't go anywhere, but they learned to live it out in their hometowns. And oftentimes we don't hear the stories of those who stayed, but know this. Those who stayed made it possible for those who were called to go to actually go and do everything God had called them to go and do. So we must define what being sent means. We must understand what being sent means. This it doesn't always mean a change of geographical location. Being sent does, always, does not always mean going to a new place, but our outlook about being sent needs to be this. I'm confident in God's mission for my life. I'm confident in it. Our outlook needs to be this. I will become equipped for that mission, and I will move forward in whatever he leads me to do, wherever that may be. If it's my neighbor next door or if it's someone across the globe, I will move forward in what God is sending me to do. Being sent always requires action and is a calling for every believer of Jesus. He has a mission for us to accomplish together. And the question is not, am I sent? But the question is, what does being sent look like 
for me. Maybe for you, it's church planting in a new location. That would be incredible. I happen to know two guys, John Lau and Matt Dilley, who are guests with you this morning, who would love to speak with you when this service is over and talk to you about what it would look like to get involved in being sent to a new location. We would love to do that if that's what God is leading you to do. Maybe you're here today and God is telling you, no, I I want to send you, but I want you to stay connected with Mercy Road Church. Let's celebrate that. Go to Fishers, go to Anderson, go to Michigan Road, go downtown and be a part of a Mercy Road church plant that's here and that's local. But maybe this morning God is calling you, no, I've got you right where I want you to be. You're here, you're in Carmel, Indiana, right here at 116th and Keystone Parkway, and I've got you right where I want you to be, and I want you to serve me with everything that you've got right here in this place, in the neighborhood that you live in, in the workplace that you have. I'm not calling you to leave, I'm calling you to be sent while you stay in the same place. And that's important. Because maybe it's right here for this season, and it may be less sexy, and it may not be new and shiny, but it's vital to the future of this plan for Mercy Road Church. And the important thing in all of this is that all of us, no matter where we go, remain with Jesus and have compassion on those around us that we encounter along the journey of wherever it is that God may be sending us, that we have compassion with those people as we go. Because when you're in a relationship with Jesus, you can't help but just allow the Spirit of God to pour out of you and to uh, live out of the overflow of your life. And in John 15 verse 5, Scripture says this, says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches and those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. If you want to produce much fruit for the kingdom, if you want to be sent on Jesus's mission for your life, remain in him and allow him to live in you out of the overflow of your life. You are going to encounter other people along the way that you get to share your story with and your faith with. Matt Dilley is a guy from Indianapolis, planting a new church in a suburb of Indianapolis in Plainfield, and he has recognized where God has sent him, and he's moving toward that plan. Let's allow him to be an example in that, and I'm excited to listen to his story as he speaks today, so welcome with me, Matt Dilley, to the stage as he shares his story. Thank you. You may be seated. You got the standing thing, so... It's not fair for you to get better every service. That's not allowed. Like, I knew I should have gone first right after the first service, but for you to get better, it's just, it's kind of rude, honestly, John. Um, We'll talk about it later, because I'm I'm not going to get over this for a while. Um, Like you said, my name is Matt Dilley. Uh, We're planning a church, Tribe Church, in Plainfield. Actually, right now, our team is tearing stuff down, because we just had our very first Uh, like kind of time into our venue at the AMC theater. So we were finding out where stuff goes and how things are all going to go connected. And they were like, Matt, did you schedule a preaching thing for the same time that we're going to get into, you know, moving all this stuff in? I was like, that is accurate. Um, I did not. I did not. This is a big coincidence. I'm really glad to be here. In fact, I'm so glad to be here. I do want to take a second. Can I be real with you guys for a second? I think we know each other a little bit at this point, right? Can I be real? Thank you. So I think like what you guys have going on here at Mercy Road and with like Multiply Indiana, it's special. The fact that you have church planners, people who are starting other churches, and that your pastor is not only allowing us 
in encouraging us to take the platform here, but he's saying if any of you feel called to go and join them or to give to them, like we send you, we encourage you to do that. Now you're thinking, oh, that's the norm. That happens all the time. Let me just tell you, that's not the norm. It should be. I totally agree it should be. That is not the norm at all. This is way out of the ordinary for how it should be. And that's why I'm so grateful uh, for Josh and, and, and Mercy Road and Multiply Indiana because this is special. I mean, so often, you know, church planners, I don't think it's their intention or churches, I don't think it's their intention, but, you know, you talk to them, I'm like, hey, if you need anything, but really what it means is, I like the idea of helping you. But like Josh will say, what is it that you need? What can we do for you? And it's just different and it's special and it's how it should be, but it's not. But I just, I want you to know like how um, amazing it is what's happening here. And not only that, but what's happening at Mercy Road, the fact that so much of what you guys give, all of you, because of your faithfulness and your love of Jesus and your catching with the vision of what's happening here, so many churches have come to existence. Not only have churches come to existence, but people have had relationships with Jesus. They've had marriages restored, addictions healed because of your faithfulness and your consistency in what you're doing here. And that is just, it's amazing. And I'm so honored to be up here in front of you because you've made such an impact on my life and you're gonna make such an impact in so many people's lives um, by just being part of this amazing church and having amazing organizations like Multiply Indiana. And because I'm super great at transitions, uh, now I'm going to tell you what does it mean if God's called you to go from the church that you love and is so amazing that I just told you all about. But you guys should have already known that, so it's not a big deal. So, uh, yeah, my name is Matt Dilly. I have my wife, Carrie Dilly. She's not here because she's out there, you know, making things happen, and uh, she's amazing. I have a son, Jackson Dilly and uh, Bailey Dilly. Um, and we're into different things. We're into board games. We're also into... This is worth it. Just stick with me. <laughs> Slide of hand magic. In the pastoral world, we call that a hook. You guys are all now hooked into what's happening. Because I'm not actually cool. I just wear white glasses. It gives me the illusion of cool. The illu you'll get, some of you will get that later. You'll laugh on the way home. I appreciate that. Now you understand who I am as a person. We could jump into this message. So, Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 9. Now the Lord said to Abram, I'm also going to say Abram, Abraham, same guy. I'm going to mention that a lot. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went out. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the Oak of Morah. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And then Abram journeyed on. 
Abram journeyed on. Right at the beginning there, what is it that God says? He says, you need to go. And that's what John was talking about, right? Like, what does it mean to go? But he was also talking about, you know, being in the same place and going. So I'm talking more about the other, everyone on the same page, just nod your head. Okay. I mean, nod your head if you understand me. Let's try that. Okay, great. So the thing about it is, is that we are oftentimes, like, as Christians, like, many of you here, many of you here probably have a a personal relationship with Jesus. That's why you're here. Either you're here because you have that, or you're trying to figure it out. But there's this other thing that needs to happen. You need to have a surrendered relationship with Jesus, a surrendered relationship with Jesus. And you think those are the same thing, and they should be the same thing, but oftentimes they're not. Oftentimes what happens with people is they become a Christian, they're like, you know, I love Jesus, I'm on board with that, I believe that he came and he died uh, for my sins, and that he's coming again, they're on board with all that, I want to go to church, I want to worship, they're on board with all that, and then you're like, oh, well, you feel like that inside of you, like God's calling you to do something else, and you're like, I don't know about that. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to live the life that I'm currently living, right? Like, you don't, we want to obey God if it fits into what we're kind of already doing. We want to obey God if it already matches the plan that we've set up for our life. We want to obey God if it doesn't cause us to move away. We want to obey God if it fits into where I want to be in like five-year plan, right? That's, that's where we get hung up on. We say, I want to obey God for sure, if. And then we, we put that if there, and that's the problem. We put that if in front of everything. In fact, what we often do is we're like, you know what, God, counter idea. What if you just allowed me to stay doing what I'm doing, didn't change anything, maybe I made a little bit more money, maybe I lost a little bit of weight, you know, I don't know. You know, you're, you're in charge, whatever you want. But <laughs> that's not what God's called us for, right? Like, we have a calling that he's put on our lives. It's better than our own agenda. It's better than our own plan. But instead, we kind of want to feel like we have control. But let's be honest. Do we really have control over anything? We don't. But we feel like we do. And we're like, oh, well, if I just stick to what I want to do, God will just, he'll just work within that. And maybe if you're called to stay, maybe if you're called to stay, that's exactly what's going to happen. But if you're called to go and you're trying to do your own thing, that's not the way we should be, right? And I, I'm going to say a hard truth today. I'm going to say a hard truth today. If you're not living that way, if you do feel that calling in your heart and you're not obeying what God's called you to do, you're not really being a Christian. And that might hurt some of your feelings, but it's fine. I'm probably never going to be back here, so it's, you'll get over it. You'll get over it real quick. It's not a big deal. Um, but that's the truth. Like, you're not really living, fully engaged, the life that God has called for you, the, God, the, the life that God has made for you. You're not living it out fully. And maybe you think to yourself, well, that sounds really easy for you, pastor, but I'm sitting here and I'm super scared. I get it. It's okay to be scared. I mean, you don't think Abram's scared? I mean, God just says, you need to go, leave. He's like, where? He's like, you know, out. Oh, okay, out, got it. But th- the reality is that we want to we want to be have the chance to be brave, and you can't be brave if you're not a little scared. You have to have a little. You have to be a little scared to be brave. So it's okay that you're scared, but it's not okay just to sit there and allow like the life that God has for you, the plans that He has for you, to go out the window because you are scared. And the thing is, is that He doesn't care about He doesn't care about uh, what we think we should we could be able to accomplish, right? Like. Isn't that true? He doesn't care about what we think. We've heard this before. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He doesn't care about our past. He doesn't care about our resume. He doesn't care what we may have done or what we think we can do. 
He cares about what he can do through you. He cares about your future. He cares about all the great things that he has planned for you. It's not about the resume that what we think we can accomplish. It's what he knows he can accomplish through every single one of us. And we, are, we get in this trap of like, you know, we want our own agenda, but Christianity is a whole new agenda. Once you're a Christian, it's a whole new agenda. It's no longer your plan, it's his plan. No longer the life that you want, it's the life that God has called us to. It's bigger than that, right? Right? Just, okay, you guys are just, you know, right? right. And being part... I know that being part of a church plant, there's so much uncertainty. Like I know when God, like when I felt it on my heart that God was calling me into church planting, I was like, God, let me do literally anything else. Like anything else. I was like, no, 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 no. Nine no's. And then I kept feeling that on my heart. Like, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. I talked to my friend. He's like, is this what you want to do? I was like, no, hard pass. I do not want to do this. (laughs) But I feel like this is what God wants me to do. And I want to obey what God wants me to do. And even though, like, I was kind of the guy who most of the time made fun of church planners in a very fun way, most of the time. um, Because this seems ridiculous, right? Like, I'm going to raise all this money and and we're going to start this whole new church that's brand new, even though we don't have any people and we don't really quite know what we're doing. Because someone asked me the other day, they're like, oh, what are you going to do about this? I'm like, I don't know. This is my first time planning a church. Figuring this out as I go, you know? But the thing is, is that (laughs) <laughs> well, like, when we sat around, when we sat around the table, the people that are now on the leadership team who are out there with a bunch of other people who have now joined us, uh, that we sat there and I said, guys, God's called it on me to plant a church. And they're like, that's amazing. We're so excited. And I'm like, and I think we need to raise $50,000 to make this happen. They're like, that's less exciting. And I'm like, that's fine. We'll figure out a way. This will be all right. This is what God wants us to do. And then someone said, you know what we'll do? We're going to have, we're going to have this uh, garage sale. We're going to gather all the stuff from all of our houses. We're going to put it together. We're going to sell all that stuff. We're going to raise some money. I'm like, that's great. And they came to me and they had a little Ziploc baggie. And they're like, there's $234 in here and 82 cents. And I was like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> this is going to work. This is doomed. Totally doomed. But now, like, through people that are faithful giving, not include, like, Multiply Indiana, not including ARC, which is another church planning network that we're a part of, people have given, like, $70,000 to what's happening at Tribe Church in Plainfield. And that's not us, that's God. Like, and the thing is, is that I couldn't, yeah, you can clap for that, that's all right. We, I couldn't be part of that, I couldn't share that with you right now if I didn't go. If I didn't listen, even though I was scared, even though it was hard, even though it was difficult, and I still don't know what the future holds. I'm scared every day. I just carry a paper bag around and breathe into it sometimes. <laughs> but I know that his plan is better than mine, that what he wants is better. And we have an ultimate model in Jesus, right? If you look at Jesus, if you look at Jesus, he's the ultimate model of that, right? Like he left ultimate security so that we could have eternal security. He left his father so that we could not be fatherless. Father, father, why have you forsaken me? He walked amongst all of us so that we can have that eternal life with him. He left. He went. And that may not be your calling, right? That may not be your calling. But the thing is, if it is, imagine all the good things that can come from following God. If you look at the story of Abraham, right? Late, I don't have enough time to go through it because it's like, you know, there's a countdown clock that just sits there and just goes. I don't have enough time to go through it. But the rest of the story of Abraham, right there we hear about he is told to go right? He's asked to go, and he's like, where? And God's like, just go. And then later, God tells him, you're going to have a son. 
He's like, I'm going to have a son. How? Like, I'm, I'm older. We can't have kids. Like, you're crazy. Because right there, when we read about him leaving, he's 75. I mean, like, I'm 36. I don't want two more kids or, or one more kid. Anyway, sorry. That's off topic. But so he's told, he's told, you know, you're going to have a kid. And he's like, how? Right? And then later, once he has that son, God says, take that son on a mountain and kill him. He's like, why? Just climb and I'll show you. And now we have these stories of such faithfulness because of that, because he listened, even though there was a lot of ambiguity in what was happening. Because God doesn't always speak in concrete terms to us, right? We don't always know. Like sometimes you have prayers and they're not answered. Sometimes like the way that we think life's going to go, it doesn't go that way. But one, that doesn't mean he's not with us, right? He walks alongside of us all through that. He grieves with us. He hurts with us. But if we're called to go, imagine the impact that we can make. We're not left out of the equation. We are part of the equation. We get to share our lives with other people. We get to tell them, Jesus has changed my life, and this is how he can change yours. And they get to say, hey, this is how Jesus changed my life, and this is how it can change yours. And we can just keep doing that. And you are a church that is doing that every week. And I'm so grateful to hear about all the great things that is happening here at Mercy Road. I want to make sure that we pray today. We pray that if you have a calling on your life, that you listen to that, whether it's to stay or whether it's to go, that you hear that calling. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we know that the callings that you've placed on our life, the impact that it can make for kingdom, your kingdom, God, not our kingdom, not our agenda, not our plan, God, but your kingdom here on earth, that lives can be changed as a result of a relationship with you. So Lord, let us hear that, God. If you're, if you're here today and you want to hear that calling, pray to God right now. God, I pray that you will tell me what your calling is in my life. You know, maybe you're, you're not a Christian and you need to know what it means to have a personal relationship, but maybe if you do have that relationship with Jesus, you can ask him today, God, What is your calling on my life? Whether it's to stay or whether it's to go, I want to be faithful, Lord. I want to be brave and I want to be faithful and I want to make an impact for you. God, I pray that those who need to hear that calling today get to hear it. In your name we pray. Amen.